think this kind of shows you what happens when one party in a two-party system goes so far off the rails and becomes incapable of governing itself, never mind the rest of the country. Welcome to another episode of America Explained, the podcast that brings the important voices and perspectives shaping American politics, foreign policy and culture to an international audience. Hey folks, well, I'm not feeling my best. I've got a cold or a flu or something, but I always love it when some big news arrives just before it's time to record a podcast because it makes it super easy to pick what the topic of that episode is going to be. And yesterday, Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House of Representatives, was voted out of that office. It's the first time in American history that any speaker has been removed from office via a vote in this way. It's left the US House of Representatives without a speaker. Currently, that role is vacant. Republicans have gone back to their districts to think about what they're going to do next and think about who they might support as their next speaker. And in the meantime, the House is left with no leader. The US is barreling towards another possible government shutdown about 40 days from now. And it's complete chaos in the Republican Party. We don't know if they're going to be able to pull together and perform basic functions of governing, like passing a budget for the next fiscal year. So that's what I'm going to talk about today on this episode of America Explained. Talk a little bit about how we got to this point and what's going to happen next. I really hope that you enjoy America Explained. I love putting it together every two weeks. If you do enjoy it, please tell a friend about America Explained. That helps us to grow. Please also consider subscribing to our newsletter. You can find a link to that in the show notes in your podcast app for this episode. And if you subscribe via that link, then you receive a 15% discount on the newsletter. So maybe I should start by saying a few things about what actually a Speaker of the House of Representatives is, because the role is quite different to how it plays out in the UK or Australia or basically anywhere that's based on the kind of Westminster parliamentary system. So in the UK, for instance, the Speaker of the House is a figure who takes on a non-partisan institutional role. Now, of course, they do usually come from one of the two major political parties. But once they take on the role of Speaker, they become more of kind of a ceremonial figure, more of an institutional figure than one that's associated with a particular party. So in the Westminster system, the thing the speaker usually does is preside over debates. So they kind of pick who's going to talk. So, right, you know, Prime Minister's Questions, which is this weekly event when the Prime Minister has to go and answer questions before Parliament. It's the speaker who calls upon MPs to ask the Prime Minister those questions. And they also have control over kind of the flow of business within um, the House of Commons and things like that. Now, in America... Being the Speaker is very, very much a partisan role. Being the Speaker of the House basically means that that person is the like the top legislator of the party that currently controls that House of Congress. So Kevin McCarthy got this role because in 2022, Republicans very narrowly took back control of the House of Representatives, and then they picked Kevin McCarthy to be the Speaker of the House. And as the Speaker of the House in America, you don't preside over debates. 
you don't, I mean, you do have some institutional roles, some things that are kind of nonpartisan, but your main job is to try to steer through that house the legislation that your party wants to pass. So you use your power and you use your influence to try to bring bills to the floor for debate and for consideration that, that are your party's priorities. And then to try to get all of the people in your party and, and maybe some people from the other party to vote for them and to pass that legislation. So the role of speaker is a really, really political, a really partisan one. It means basically you're the leader of your party in, in one of the branches of government. Now, Kevin McCarthy became the speaker because Republicans, as I said, won control of the House of Representatives in the last midterms. But it was very, very difficult for him to become speaker because actually the Republicans have a very, very narrow majority of that house. So to become speaker, you need over 50% of um, the, the, you know, the, the legislators, in that, legislators in that house to vote for you. And that means basically, you know, if you represent the majority party, you need to get those votes from your own party because a Democrat is never going to vote to an elect a Republican speaker. Now, McCarthy couldn't even get all of the Republicans in his caucus to vote for him to become speaker because he faced significant opposition from more right-wing, more extreme lawmakers. This is the group that's often known as the Freedom Caucus, although there are also various um, obscure and kind of crazy individuals outside of the Freedom Caucus who fall into this anti-McCarthy camp as well. And they made it very difficult for McCarthy to get the votes that he needed. In fact, McCarthy had to basically put himself up for this position 15 times before the position was given to him. And in order to do that, he had to make all kinds of concessions to the far right of his own party. Now, you know, these concessions, some of them were to do with policy, but some of them were also to do with procedure. And one of the concessions that McCarthy made was to say that at any point while he was Speaker, if just a single Republican member of the House of Representatives wanted to file what's called a motion to vacate the Speakership, that means a motion basically to kick McCarthy out of his office, then that single Republican would be able to do that. And that's basically what just happened. So Matt Gates, a Republican from Florida who really, really hates Kevin McCarthy for all kinds of personal and political reasons, filed a motion to vacate, and that motion was successful, and McCarthy was booted from the speakership. McCarthy said that he's not going to seek the speakership again, so now Republicans have to try to coalesce around somebody else. They have to try and find another candidate to take on that job of being speaker. But when you look back at how difficult and fraught McCarthy's time in the office has been, it's arguably going to be pretty difficult to find a Republican who wants to take on this task, and even more difficult to find one who's actually going to be capable of kind of, you know, getting Republicans in Congress together, stopping this infighting, and actually accomplishing something, you know, even performing this basic act of governing, of passing a budget for the next financial year, which, which was the thing that caused this controversy that's now led Marthy, McCarthy to get booted out. So, you know, the, the main split within the Republican caucus, and it's, I think it's important to say that it's not between, like, moderates and extremes, because 
by the standard of pretty much any other conservative party in the Western world, or by the standards even of American politics like 20 or 30 years ago, there are basically no moderate Republicans left, or there are very, very few moderate Republicans left. You know, the House Republican Caucus is made up of a majority of people who have questioned the result of the 2020 election. It's made up of a huge number of people who voted to not accept that Joe Biden was the winner of that election. It's composed of a majority of people who defend Donald Trump despite all of the criminal indictments that have been made against him, despite all of the evidence of his wrongdoing. You know, the fact that Trump has admitted on tape to sexual assault, the fact that he's been found by a judge to be guilty of rape, the fact he's just been found by a judge to have vastly committed fraud in his business enterprise, the fact he tried to destroy American democracy, this is a group of people who are by and large okay with these things. They're not, you know, they're not made up of a large group of moderates who somehow want to bring sanity back to the Republican Party. What you do have is a division between the extremists who still want to perform at least the very bare minimum functions of government, like raising the debt ceiling, like avoiding government shutdowns, and a group of extremists who are actually willing to basically, you know, completely wreck the American economy through debt defaults and through government shutdowns and truly enormous spending cuts. Although, you know, it, it should also be pointed out that often, you know, the exact views on spending levels between these two camps are even not that large anyway. But so, you know, the, the split between McCarthy and his extremists and the other set of extremists is that the second set have basically some tactical differences with how to go about achieving Republican or conservative goals. They have a very, very nihilistic kind of destructive approach. And the fact is, and I, I wrote a Guardian column about this, which um, should come out sometime, uh, I guess, today or tomorrow. And if it comes out in time, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But, you know, it's worth pointing out that McCarthy really encouraged many of the worst tendencies of his own party and not just encourage them. I mean, I would argue that McCarthy was a active agent in the radicalization of the Republican Party in, in turning it into what it is today. You know, this entity that is so opposed to the basic principles of American democracy and, and norms of common decency. You know, McCarthy has been a big defender of Trump. He's been a big defender of using the threat of government shutdowns and of debt ceiling, you know, defaults to basically blackmail the political system into going along with his policy priorities. So we shouldn't, I don't think, you know, nobody should be feeling sorry for McCarthy here. In the press conference that he gave when he was announcing that he's not going to seek the speakership again, he tried to present himself as a moderate, but he's absolutely not a moderate. He's a big part of the problem. He's a big part of how the Republican Party got to this point. And, you know, he's been trying through this, this really kind of glib, sunny, optimistic manner that he has to paper over what was really going on here, to paper over what was really happening in the party. But that's just, you know, it's not worked, it's not going to fly. 
now he's been booted from office. I don't know if this is the end of Kevin McCarthy's political career. I mean, the last few Republican speakers who left office in similar circumstances, so John Boehner and Paul Ryan, they both just kind of, you know, disappeared into relative obscurity afterwards. And maybe the same thing's going to happen to McCarthy. Maybe he's going to try to make some comeback in some sort of way. I don't know. But I mean, this isn't really about Kevin McCarthy. It's about what's happened to the Republican Party. And it's about what's going to happen next, because now the Republican Party has to try to find a new speaker. Now, sat here recording this at 2pm on Wednesday afternoon, I have no idea who that speaker is going to be. You know, there's a there's a universe of possible candidates that I can name. People like Steve Scalise, uh, he's currently the number two uh, Republican in the House, so basically McCarthy's deputy. Andy Biggs, who's a far-right lawmaker and was an opponent of McCarthy right from the beginning. Elise Stefanik, who's a New York Republican, who is very, very, very ambitious. Um, she's aligned herself very strongly with Donald Trump and, and is possibly angling for a future job in the, in the Trump administration. There's a chance that Patrick McHenry, who's the guy who's just kind of taken on this the speakership in a temporary role, might just stay on if Republicans can't actually pick someone else, then the default just basically becomes that McHenry will stay in position. Um, because this, the, you know, what's just happened here has never happened before. It's never been the case that a speaker has been kicked out in this manner. So actually the rules and the procedures which govern what this temporary acting speaker can do are actually very unclear. And, you know, he could argue that basically he can just be the speaker. You know, it's not clear from the text of the House rules that there's anything stopping him just becoming the speaker and staying in that position. But, you know, you have to ask yourself, who would actually want this job? Who would want the job of trying to reconcile the need to govern with the nihilistic tendencies of the most destructive part of the extremist Republican Party. It's not going to be something that is going to be good for someone's future political career, I think. That makes me kind of think that Elise Stefanik is not going to want to do it. She has a, a sight set on big things, and doing this job only tarnishes someone, it only damages someone. So I think ultimately it's going to fall to a relative kind of non-entity, someone like McHenry, who is not a legislator who has made a great mark in the past. He's not someone who's given much sign of having big ambitions for the future. Or it's going to fall to a kind of right-wing firebrand, somebody who actually embraces the nihilism and embraces the destruction and doesn't care, you know, about the fact that they're not performing these basic functions of governing. Because whoever takes this job is not going to be able, or they're not going to find it easy to pass a budget. They're not going to find it easy to do the basic things that the speaker needs to do. So I think that that's something that's really concerning for the country. And although, you know, it's natural that Democrats look at this and they feel, you know, a, a lot of kind of glee how badly Republicans are handling this situation. There's certainly a ton of evidence that this kind of extremism, this kind of disarray 
is something that voters don't look kindly upon. It's something that they punish. I mean, one of the reasons, or you know, arguably the main reason that the Republicans did so badly in the 2022 midterms was because they were associated with this kind of extremism, and here they are doing it to themselves again. So in a way, this is good for Democrats, you know, it's, it's good for their political fortunes, but in the long term, you know, the, the country needs to have a Speaker of the House of Representatives who can at least command the votes of his own caucus, who can at least pass a budget, who can at least raise the debt ceiling, who can at least fund the Pentagon for a year, you know, and, and that's before we get to things that are very, very important national priorities like, you know, funding for Ukraine, about which there is more, you know, disagreement and, and more need to build consensus and perhaps bipartisan consensus. You know, there's a lot of really, really difficult issues that come before the House of Representatives. And the nature of the American, you know, political system is that you need the House of Representatives to do its job. It has a job to do. And it's super concerning if Republicans can't manage to get it get together enough to do that. Now, you know, you hear then some kind of, you know, more kind of out there ideas about how things might go down. So, I mean, in theory, there's nothing stopping a coalition of Democrats and Republicans getting together to elect some kind of unity speaker. Or, you know, some kind of bipartisan speaker. But, you know, even though, you know, the way that the American Congress works makes that in theory possible, I think in practice, given the strength of partisanship in American politics and, and in American society, it's very, very difficult to see anything like that happening and, and being sustainable. You know, you have to have a speaker who can reliably command a majority of the House on important issues. And I think that there's just so little distrust and there's so little shared ground between the two parties that that is just not really possible to imagine. Now, you know, maybe you could end up with a situation where you have just complete chaos. You have only a figurehead as speaker, someone perhaps like McHenry, and you have kind of ad hoc coalitions coming together to pass, you know, like um, budget bills and debt ceiling extensions and things like that. But, you know, I just, I'm not really sure that that, that kind of situation would be sustainable. And, you know, it certainly wouldn't be any kind of great way to run the, the House of Representatives. So Republicans have a big task here to, to step up and to show that they are you know, worthy of at least a little bit of the faith that their own voters place in them to be able to perform basic functions. And we're going to wait and see if, if they're able to do that. I think that, you know, the next few weeks are really unpredictable. The vote for the new speaker is going to take place next Wednesday. That doesn't mean that there's any guarantee that this situation will be resolved <laughs> next Wednesday. There's a chance that they just won't be able to pick somebody. But, you know, it, maybe they will. Um, maybe it'll take them a little bit longer, then as soon as they've picked that new person, they're going to be plunged right back into the middle of these super contentious fights over stopping a government shutdown and providing aid to Ukraine. And they're going to be under all the same kind of pressures that McCarthy was under. So, you know, it's not a good 
day for American democracy and for kind of the basic functioning of America's government, I don't think. I think it just kind of shows you what happens when one party in a two-party system goes so far off the rails and becomes incapable of governing itself, never mind the rest of the country. So I hope that you found this, uh, this, this quick overview of what's happening here and the implications useful. I'm going to be back with another episode of America Explained about this because it's just such a big deal and there's so many important things to talk about here. So do check in for that. Also check out, as I mentioned earlier, the America Explained newsletter. There's going to be plenty of coverage of this there, as well as related issues like the 2024 election, Donald Trump's trials, and all that kind of stuff. Thanks again for tuning in, and I really look forward to talking to you again next time. Thanks for listening to America Explained, which is brought to you by...